Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. What's up, everybody? Can you all hear me? I hope so. Oh, there we go. Is that better? If not, I was just going to get loud. It was just going to work. All right, so um, I hope you have a handout. Man, I am excited uh, to be able to be a part of this and uh, be able to, to, to be able to just, the opportunity to just present. Dang it, I'm an emotional dude. Just the word of God. We just sang to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he's worthy, and he gave us this amazing book so that we could know him. And uh, man, we're getting ready to get into it. And uh, so... Uh, Man, I've had people say, hey, can you share a little bit what's going on in Iola? And man, I'm all about that. Seek me out. We just don't have time to get into that. Let me just suffice to say, I'm thankful for the prayers. Um, God is moving. Souls are getting saved. Just had another one get saved last night. And uh, people, man, praise the Lord. Man, we've been praying for that girl for over seven years since she met Christ last night. Um, uh, um, she's, she's jumping into the cost of discipleship Sunday. She's like jumping right all up in there. And so, man, this is just, man, God is moving in Iola. We, for those of you who don't know, my name's Tony. Um, one of the pastors of Harvest Baptist Church in Iola, Kansas, not Blue Springs. We're the OG, just so you know. <laughs> we're, the, we're the originals, right? So um, God, is, God is moving there. Uh, God's growing our church, and we bought an old bowling alley. We're remodeling it. Thank you to those of you who have helped supply it, um, helped uh, literally pray, sweat, and bleed uh, with us, and we're grateful God is using it, and we're already somewhat outgrowing it. So praise the Lord for that, right? God is moving. All right, so y'all ready to get in the book? So Mark chapter 7 is where I need you to be. Um, I'm going to carry water around if that's all right. If somebody wants to find me, check this out. We call that resourceful. All right, Mark chapter 7 is uh, where I want to be. So the, 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 the kind of the, the focus of where we're going to be as, a, uh, as a, this retreat has been English Bible exegesis. And they said, hey, Tony, want you to come up and want you, want you to preach. I said, okay, what's the title? What's, what's the topic? Well, it's Bible study. And that's all I got. That's all. I mean, that's it. Well, what do you do with that? Right? And then I just, as I was praying about it and considering it, I was thinking, okay, there's a whole lot of people that want to jump in and study their Bible, and they don't really have, know how to read it. They don't even have to properly understand what it means to even have a quiet time, right? And so I'm, I'm just praying about all these things and wrapping my mind around it. And so I thought, man, what greater place to go than Mark chapter 7. And the sermon title is Jesus and some hypocrites had a Bible study, right? Jesus and some hypocrites had a Bible study. And you guys know churches are full of hypocrites. This place is full of hypocrites. And we, we hear the word hypocrite, we often think... Um, says one thing, does the other. And biblically, the word hypocrite typically means pretender or actor, right? One who puts on a show. Well, that never happens at an all-church retreat, does it? Because here's, here's what I know. Many of us were praising and lifting our hands in praise, and some of us were trying to show off to the neighbor next beside us. That's called the hypocrite. Y'all, y'all with me? And so we're going we're gonna to dive, dive into this thing. And I so appreciate Dan starting us off last night talking about the importance of reading the Bible distinctly, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to just exegete the passage and then show a little bit of different Bible study aspects that might just help you out. And uh, we got a lot of ground to cover and I am pumped. Y'all ready? All right. I feel like I need to pray again. Lord, we just need you. Lord, I pray that you would speak. And uh, have your way in us um, in, this, in this passage. Lord, I pray that we'd be changed by it. Lord, that, that we, our worlds would be rocked by it. Lord, that we'd be healed by it. Lord, that we'd be cut by it. Lord, we need you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 
Right, so, those, so maybe there's some people in the room that says, you know what, I'm still trying to figure out this whole Bible thing. I'm reading it, and, and I don't get it. I feel like I read sometimes, and I feel like I've, I've just spent 30 minutes, and I have no idea what I read. That if, if You don't need to raise your hand, but I guarantee there's somebody in the room that says, you know, that, that's kind of me, man. All right, well, maybe before we get to the notes, so we're, it's going to be a minute before we get to the notes, because I'm just kind of one of those guys, right? So maybe if you're into taking notes, you might want to write something down that truly helped me. It's people, plot, point, practice, pray. That's how I do my quiet time. When I spend time with the Lord, I open wherever I am in my text. Like right now, I'm reading, um, reading through uh, Romans, and I'm enjoying it. And so um, I, I just read people, plot, point, practice, pray. Who are the people? Who's being written about? Who's doing the writing? What's the context, right? Uh, people plot what's happening. What's, the, what's happening in the story? What's the point? What's the doctrinal application? What's the, what's the teaching? Why, why is this even in my Bible? Uh, practice, how do I begin to apply that? How do I apply my life to these truths? And then pray. Oh, we miss that one, don't we? Am I the only one who does that, right? So we often miss that one. Pray, take it right back to the Lord, right? He gave us his word. We need to take, take his word back to him in prayer. And let me just tell you, when I began to apply that just in my quiet times, man, it's began, I began to begin to see things in the scriptures in a completely different way. And oftentimes, I think many of us, we open our Bibles and we... We get in our little coffee spot, we get our little comfortable spot, and we open our Bible and we just read, but that's all we're doing. We're not reading distinctly. And so if maybe this will help you. To what it means to read the Bible distinctly is to read with inflection. I love that he was talking about reading to punctuation. So important. Because this is how we typically, not we, this is how many of us typically read our Bibles. Y'all ready? Mark chapter 7 verse 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, unwashing hands, they found fault for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands oft, eat, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. What did we just read? I have no idea. Because you, were, you read words. Then when we, we, when we come to the word of God, we should read with inflection. We should come with expectation for God to speak to us. But not just that, we should come with the intention to apply what God has said. And when you have those perspectives, man, that changes everything, doesn't it? All right, so Mark chapter 7, verse 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees, as certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? And he answered and said unto them, well hath Isaiah prophesied of you, hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but with their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things ye do. All right, so there's a lot going on there. I just want to begin to unpack this thing, but uh, another help for you as you are reading your Bible, as you're having your quiet time and certain things begin to pop out, pay attention to key words and phrases in scripture, because that's going to help you break down the word of God and help you understand it better, right? So pay attention to key words and phrases, this reoccurring concepts, or even juxtapositions, Right, where, where scripture does that. So let me kind of give you a couple examples of that. And I don't know, maybe you caught on to the word tradition or the word traditions. It shows up a few times in this text. 
The first time it shows up is in verse 3. At the end of the verse where he talks about the tradition of the elders. Verse 5, he talks about the tradition of the elders. In verse 8, he talks about them holding the tradition uh, of, of men. And then verse 9, he talks about um, keeping your own tradition. And then over here in verse 13, he talks about your tradition. And you just begin to process. Well, I think tradition just might be an important thing here, right? Because often, here's what happens. Um, we say we're studying the Bible or we, we, we are getting into the word of God or we're even preaching. And the danger is we're not preaching the word of God. We're proclaiming our own tradition. And what a dangerous place that it would be. And don't pretend that it doesn't happen because it's easy to say Jesus and some hypocrites had a Bible study and you go, yeah, sick them until you realize it's you. <laughs> You're the hypocrite. I'm the hypocrite at times. I'm guilty of this. It just convicts me. And another word that, that I want you to see is the word hold or the word holding. Look at verse, verse three. He says they're holding the tradition. Look at verse four. He says they receive to hold the, this stuff. Look at verse, verse eight again. They hold the tradition of men, but they went from holding it to look verse nine. They're keeping your tradition. Skip down to verse 13. They're delivering uh, the tradition. So they went from holding it to, to hold it, to, to keeping it to they're delivering it, right? So there's a, there's a process, there's a progress uh, of things happening here. So there's a juxtaposition I want you to see as well. Look with me here in uh, verse 7. How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of who? Men, verse 8, for laying aside the commandment of who? God. So you get this commandment of men, you get the commandment of God. In other words, you're saying this and God is saying this. And so all we did there is we read with inflection. Uh, we, we, we came with expectancy. I pray that you've come with expectancy for God to speak into you, for God to speak um, through his word into your heart. But I also pray that you've come with the idea that you're going to read distinctly because you have the distinct intention to apply what we hear today. Not just in our daily life, but in our Bible studies and everything, everything that we do. Now, I told you it's going to be a second before we get into the notes, but let me kind of help us out just another way to view this passage is historically, doctrinally, and personally. Now, historically, you're going to find that. We're not going to break that down entirely. We'll do that here in just a few seconds, but really verses three to five is kind of going to give you this historical application. Verses six to seven is, this, is the doctrinal application, and then verses eight to 13 is the, the, in the personal or devotional or spiritual, however you, whatever word it is that you use in that, but the historical application is, here's the context, is that lives are dictated by tradition instead of the scripture. That's the historical application of this passage. Lives are being dictated by tradition instead of the scripture. But here's the doctrinal application you're going to find in verses 6 and 7. We'll get to that in a few moments. Is that lives should be dictated by scripture instead of tradition. It's the opposite of that, isn't it? That's the doctrinal implication is that our lives should be dictated by scripture instead of tradition. And not just scripture, but the scripture. Amen? Not just scripture, but the scripture. We'll get to that here in just a few moments. But then you also have an application over here in verses 8 to 13, where you have individuals who are tempted to justify their tradition by just simply rejecting biblical authority. And that's what's going on here. All right, so everybody kind of feel like you got a feel of it? An idea where we're going? Because, man, it's hard to just jump into a text sometimes. I think we, we need to get a bird's eye view of it. So let me kind of set the stage in verses one and two. You have the, the Pharisees and you have some of the scribes showing up and you have Jesus and his disciples as kind of the, the people, right? And the plot is that they've, they've interacted now and what you're going to find is you're, we're going to juxtapose a hypocritical ministry with a biblical ministry. And that's what you're finding in verses one and two is you have um, hypocritical ministry colliding with biblical ministries and that happens all the time, doesn't it? Remember, hypocritical means pretenders. It means actor. It means saying, it, it means they're, they're implying something uh, when in reality there's no depth to it. A biblical um, 
a, a biblical ministry is saying, no, I'm going to follow the living word of God. And the hypocritical ministry is going to be saying, no, I'm going to be following others who read the word of God at one point in time, or they're armed with the word of God, right? So there's a big, big, big difference there. All right, so here's your first point for study. Here's your first blank that I want you to get. And we're going to see this in verses three to five is how do we identify a hypocritical ministry? How do we identify a hypocritical ministry? Maybe off to the side, you might want to write down, am I leading a hypocritical ministry? Am I a leader of a hypocritical ministry? Please ask yourself this question because we have to identify what that looks like. All right, so verse three, Mark does a great job of kind of giving us this historical application, understanding what's happening. Verse three, he says, for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not. Why? They're holding the tradition of the elders. Here's your next point is that here's how you identify hypocritical ministry is they hold tradition in a place of authority. They hold tradition in a place of authority. In other words, tradition dictates their life. The church culture dictates their life instead of the word of God. Oh, be careful. Be careful. They hold tradition in a place of authority. Man, we say, no, no, we hold the Bible as authority. Okay, but we're asking the question, am I, am I leading a biblical ministry? Am I leading a hypocritical ministry? Are people holding tradition? Or are they holding to the culture of the church? Or are they holding the word of God as the authority? Which, what, what is it? What's dictating their life and practice? And then you get to verse four. It says, and when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And every germaphobe mom in here is going, what's wrong with that? Right? What's so wrong with washing your hands? Um, I mean, it's a pretty good idea, isn't it? And we just went through a season where we're told to wash our hands. I'm sitting in, in, the, in the lunchroom, dining room, what do you call that place? Where we eat. I'm sitting in there and I'm watching people run by and they're squirting their hands with the, with the, I'm struggling with words today, <laughs> struggling, but they're, they're like, what's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. The implication is here is that when you're following the Lord and the living word of God, there's liberty to serve. That's the implication. And here they are, they're serving and they're eating because they're at liberty because they're walking with the Lord and they're following him as the authority and there's freedom to serve. Oh, man, that's, that's great. But notice in verse four is that they're, if they haven't washed their hands, they're not eating. And then it says, and many other things there be. So that's just an illustration. That's just an example. But then he says this, which they have, what's the next three words? Oh, they were, they were given that. They received a hold. So here's your next point is that they hold tradition in a place of authority because they receive tradition instead of the word of God. Well, I can't believe there's such a traditional, there's such a legalist, there's such a this, there's such a that. Why are they that way? Because somebody put it in their hand. It didn't happen by accident. Somebody gave them tradition instead of the word of God. Somebody, somebody gave them culture, church culture instead of the word of God. It didn't just happen by accident. So if that's an issue in the church... It didn't come from the bottom up. It came from the top down. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down. This is important to get because they received to hold it. Somebody in authority put it in their hands. And let me just tell you, I'm going to have a little commercial break just for a moment because we need to have a chat. This is why so many young people are walking away from a quote unquote, the faith. They're walking away in droves. Why? Because all they see is the hypocrisy. They see right through it. And there's nothing attractive to that. There's nothing. All right, so let's go to the next commercial. Because 
this is why a lot of people left the church or they left the faith during the COVID season as well. It's not necessarily because the health issues or the political issues, it wasn't any of that. It was when they realized my life is no different with the church or without the church. There's no difference in my life whatsoever. If I'm not in a pew, if I'm not in the Sunday school class, if I'm not being sitting under the teaching and preaching, if I'm not in the praise team, my life is no different on Tuesday with or without it. And so if there's no difference in my life without the church, without the ministry, then what's the point? And I would say, amen. What is the point? Because that isn't church. That's not Christianity. It's not biblical ministry for sure. Y'all, y'all with me? We, every church has had it. When there's, I'm thinking of a couple in our church right now. Well, they haven't been there in a long, long time. We reach out. Well, just, they just don't miss it. Well, somewhere they received tradition instead of the Bible. And I, I, I take that. I, I, somewhere along the way, they, they received the whole tradition. Because um, what's happening is they're not really typically, and this happens in, in pockets for sure, but when, when everybody's leaving in droves, they're not usually walking away from the word of God or the God of the word. They're walking away from weird obsessions with buildings and furniture. And they're, they're walking away from music styles. And they're, they're walking away from dress codes and mom and dad's Sunday Christianity, right? Mom and dad whooping on them on the way to church. Whoosh, 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 walk inside, Jesus! Get in the car. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Well, who wants a part of that? You ought to serve God. Oh, like you? No, thank you. They see right through it. It's a lie, and I can't believe they left the faith. No, they left your tradition. They haven't seen the faith in a long time. I thought we were doing Bible next to Jesus. Yeah, we are, because that's what went wrong. Somewhere along the way, the tradition became the message instead of the word of God. And here's the reality, is that it's easy for people to trade in one tradition for another set of traditions. Because you know as well as I do, you don't leave something without going towards something else. And people will always trade in one tradition for another one, right? So they leave the faith and they run to NFL football, right? Or they leave the faith or they run to another, oh, cult or whatever it might be. And it happens all the time. Well, that would never happen in our ministry. That, was, that could never happen in a perfect environment. Oh, contraire. Now, here's another Bible study tip for us. As we need to, at times, as we're reading texts, to learn or glean from another portion of Scripture, not just in cross-reference, but learning from an example in the Old Testament, right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us it's written for our learning that we might learn. And so let's go get an illustration of this in Genesis chapter 3. And here's another thing. It's not on the screen. You're going to have to flip the pages. Oh, I'm that old dude. <laughs> that likes like hard copy stuff because I'm kind of a conspiracy dude. And I just think one day they could just push a button. I lose, I lose my Bible on my phone, right? So give me my hard copy. And here's what frustrates me. I'm just getting on my soapbox. This just frustrates me when people who have been saved and they've been discipled and they still can't tell you where to find a book of the Bible unless they've got it in their phone. Man, handle the word of God. All right, sorry. Back to our original programming. I feel better. Everybody over 40 said, Amen. except Brandon, he's kind of that techie dude, you know, except him. All right, so Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, you guys know, you're familiar with your Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, God's put Adam in the garden, dress it and keep it, freely eat, you know, all the stuff, and hey, except for that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, hey, don't you, don't you eat that one. 
the original version of the Bible is pretty awesome. Eat and reproduce forever. I can get behind that, man. All about it. Right, so you know, you know. I'm all about it. But Adam gets, the, gets this commandment from God. It's expected from Adam to make sure that it gets to the hands of the next generation. And you get to chapter three, Eve is now on the scene. The serpent shows up. You guys know this, you've been through this. The serpent shows up, verse one. He's asking, yay, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden, question mark, right? We can get all, to all that. And notice what happens. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye. Tradition. Tradition. Somewhere along the line, the, the original said, don't eat. Somewhere along the line, they thought, man, it'd be a lot better, a lot easier if we just didn't touch that tree. And so they add a tradition to it. Now, here's what's crazy to me is Satan doesn't come to Adam because he doesn't ever go to the original. He always goes after the preserved word, doesn't he? So he comes to Eve, the preserved word of God, and begins to attack the preserved word of God. And what does Eve do? She begins to quote not just the Bible, but she quotes tradition and her authority is no longer in the word of God. Her authority is in her tradition. And Satan's like, got her on the ropes, man. This is awesome. And so gets her eyes off of it. She begins to see the, the tree. And then it says in verse six, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she what? What's the next word? She touched it, didn't she? She took it. What's the point we're trying to make? It's easy to transfer one tradition for another tradition when that's your authority. Because if that's your authority, you really, you're the authority. And so what she do? She touches it and then eats it. All right, so come back over here to Mark chapter 7. So learn from biblical examples. Go to the Old Testament. Go and learn. Give, get some illustrations for what's happening. What's happening in the text that you're reading and studying. But man, oh man, can we get this? We got to be careful not to pass down tradition to the next generation. There should have been a whole room full of amens right there. We must be careful not to pass down tradition to the next generation. Man, we, we got to be careful not to do that. Well, we don't do that. Oh, really? You do it with your King James Version, you do. Oh, where's she going with that? I'm a King James guy. I believe it's the, it's the word of God in my English language. And yet you got a whole lot of people carrying King, King James Bibles because they saw somebody with the King James Bible, not because they know it's the word of God. It's a tradition to them. They haven't studied it out. They haven't looked it at. They haven't done the work. And so they've been given tradition. Happens in discipleship all the time, doesn't it? We throw the word discipleship, doom, da doom, da doom, da doom, da doom. It's part of the church culture. It's part of this. It's part of that. And people get involved. They do the COD and they get involved in the discipleship. They do it. And it's a program. What happened? They received tradition. Well, what's wrong with my King James Bible and my discipleship? Absolutely nothing. As long as it's driving us to the word of God. What about reading my Bible? Oh, I'm guilty of this one. Back in the day, I would read my Bible so I wasn't a liar when I showed up to church and somebody asked me what I've been reading. Uh, Psalm 12. Yeah, I read Psalm 12 about 45 seconds ago because I ain't a liar. It's tradition, man. It was tradition. Our prayer services are this, are that. And what we find is that people are doing a lot of these things because they're playing the part because they just, that's what they've received to hold. That may not be what you're putting out, but that's what they received to hold. 
In other words, I've got my wide margin Bible. I've done discipleship. I've done this. And what's really happening on the inside is I really hope that leader saw that. And they do it for show and tradition because they want to please a leader instead of the Lord. And if you don't think this happens, you got another thing coming. The guy who's, ladies, guys are players. Can I get an amen? amen. Say, what, what? Preach that. They're players. Oh, that guy you're sitting next to is so spiritual, got his wide margin Bible, got some notes in there, got some things highlighted. He was moved by the Spirit. You know what he was moved by? You. He's moved by you. I hope she sees how spiritual I am. I can't wait for him to shut up so I can get to that altar because I want her, man. It's a show. It's tradition. Be careful. We have to make sure that we are always taking people back to the word of God. When the, when the Pharisees came and they asked a question, chapter 7, verse 5, and the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? Why are you not doing the things the way that everybody does it? Why are you not doing it the way that we do it? What comes out of Jesus' mind, out of Jesus' mouth? Word. He comes right back to the word of God. All right, so here's the next point. Number, verse five, here's the next point, is they hold tradition in a place of authority. Why? Because they want to hold the place of authority. That is a hypocritical ministry. A hypocritical ministry holds tradition in a place of authority because they want to hold the place of authority instead of the word of God. If you go back to verses 1 and 2, you would see that their mission is to enforce tradition. It says that they found fault. Their mission is to enforce tradition. In verses 3 and 4, you see that their method is to hold tradition. Instead of, instead of getting the word of God, I love how Sam talks about this all the time. They're holding services. What does that look like? That's just holding tradition. That's all it is. Let's get together. Let's sing. Let's do our thing. Let's, let's fist bump. Let's get our hallelujah on. Let's go home. Unchanged tradition. Let's go home and let's read our Bibles and let's do our thing and unchanged as tradition. And so that's their method. And then you get to verse five. What is it? Their message is now to preach tradition. No mention of the word of God. Oh, we gotta be in the book. Amen. Amen. All right, verse six. He answered and said of them, well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. Jesus is gangster, dude. I mean, this is hardcore. I couldn't get away with this. I'm not a fighter. If I call somebody a hypocrite, I might, I might get popped in the nose. And I'm a wimp. I'll cry. Well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written. Oh, man, I love this. This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, commandments of men. You know what Jesus just did? He took an Old Testament passage that applied in that moment when Isaiah wrote it, and he said, no, it applies also to you prophetically and doctrinally. He just did a little Bible study, didn't he? He says, historical, doctrinally, now you need to apply something. He went historical, doctrinally, inspirational in an instant. Just by quoting one verse, it's to call him a hypocrite. Woo! That's called Bible study, man. That's hardcore. That is absolutely amazing. All right. So we asked the question, how do we identify hypocritical ministry? Here's the next question. How do we identify a biblical ministry? You're like, finally, let's get to that one. Well, maybe off to the side, you might want to write, am I leading a biblical ministry? Am I, am I leading a hypocritical ministry or am I leading a biblical uh, ministry? All right, so I need some help. All right, so um, Eric Phillips, I need you up here, please. Come on up. Um, let's see. I uh, need Sam Miles right here, please. Eric Phillips right here. I need Sam Miles right here. Just for a moment, just for a moment. Sam, if you want me to punt, I can grab James. It don't matter. Come on up. You already moved. Come on up. Just, just right there. This won't let take long. Requires no words. Did you get that? No words. Okay. Right here. 
Hypocritical ministry? <laughs> biblical ministry. So on your sheet, you have a little line. Yeah, biblical ministry on one side, hypocritical ministry on the other. Yeah, that's how it works. Right? It's on the page. Hypocritical, biblical. Now, I want you to see something. Come with me to the text. This just helps with their eyes, right? Verse, verse 6, he says, This people honoreth me with their lips. How do I know the difference? Well, the hypocrite leader says, I want your songs. I want you to be honoring me with their lips. So the Bible says they're honoring me with their lips, but the hypocritical guy, the hypocritical leader, he's excited about what's coming out of your mouth, but he doesn't care whether God gets it or not. Because you know what he wants? This guy wants our songs. He wants our boisterous praise. He, he wants an expressions and he wants energy. And did you know there are churches who plan that and orchestrate that? Not because they want God to get the praise, but they want everybody to have an experience. While the biblical leader... The biblical says, no, I want God. I want God to be magnified. I want God to get the praise. I want his name to be honored, not the performance. Notice this. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So the hypocritical ministry, this guy says, no, I don't necessarily want your heart, but I want your actions. I want you to fake it till you make it, right? I, I don't want your heart. I want your effort. I want your emotion. I want to know that you're tearing up. I want to know that you're celebrating. I want to know that you're smiling. I want to know that you felt something. You had church, man. It's gross, isn't it? It's disgusting. Not you. But the biblical leader, no, God the biblical leader leads you so that God has your heart. And the only way to do that is through the word of God. Because God does that through the inside out, doesn't he? And so he says, but their heart is far from me. Verse seven, you're almost, I'm almost done with you guys. Verse seven, how be it in vain do they worship me? Uh-oh. How be it in vain do they worship me? Where the hypocritical leader wants will worship wants demonstration, wants show. In other words, wants to sit back with a, with a tally mark and evidence of what he's doing and not doing. Legalism flows from this. Well, the biblical leader um, wants God to get the worship. And what is worship? It is not praise. It is not song. Worship is the bowing down of my will and my life in obedience to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, because we understand that he is worthy, isn't he? He is worthy of praise. He is also worthy of our lives. So another Bible study tip would be, um, you guys can have a seat. Go ahead. Go ahead. I use those illustrations because Sam is the exact opposite of a hypocritical minister. The amount of times he prays and cries and weeps and begs you to, 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 to fall to the knees and serve the Lord and get in his word. Now use Eric. Man, I, I love, and I use that word on purpose. I do. I truly enjoy when you're leading God's people to the throne because I don't see you, I see the Lord. And I'm grateful for that. We need leaders like that. Another aspect of helping us study our Bibles is to use cross-references. I only really have one on the screen for you. It's Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 in uh, verse 20 to 23 says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men? After the what? Commandments and doctrines of men. Sound familiar? Which things have indeed a, what's the next word? Show. It's a show. 
A show of what? It shows wisdom. Oh, it looks like this person's got it all figured out. It's, it's a demonstration of wisdom. No, no, it's, it's will worship. It's fake. It's fraudulent. It's not real. It is empty and humility and neglecting of the body and not any honor to the satisfying of what? Oh, how do you know what's real worship or fake worship? Is when your flesh was pleased, it wasn't real. If it hurts and your flesh is unpleased, God's moving, baby. That's where the Lord is moving. And some of us, if we're not careful, we're going to mess up quoting our Bibles and doing our Bible study leading and leading our ministries and leading our, our whatever it may be. And what their people are receiving to hold is tradition because that's what you're preaching instead of the word of God. Well, how can you say that? Well, look at the last part of verse seven, teaching for doctrines, equating what's coming out of your mouth with what's coming out of God's mouth, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. In other words, the hypocritical minister wants you to submit to their words. Well, how do you know whether it's a hypocritical ministry or not? Here's how it's, don't be flipping your page yet. Well, how do you know? When people begin to quote the leader instead of the word of God. When they're quoting their pastors and they're walking like their pastors and they're talking like their pastors. Now, hear that. Hear that well, right? Sometimes it's wise to be quoting and, and emulating. Or there's some wisdom in that, but hear what I'm saying well. Because we have ministries where people are quoting pastors or they're quoting media or they're quoting social media influencers or they're quoting politicians instead of God. Be careful. Be careful. Because a biblical leader says no, I want you quoting the word of God because you're obeying the word of God. And I'm leading you towards that. All right. So let me just take you to another way that I like to do my own personal Bible study. As in verses six and seven. Let's kind of look at this again. But one of my favorite things to do is to actually meditate on the word of God. You know what that means? means you stop inputting and you just take what God just gave you and you chew on it. That's what it means. You meditate on the word of God. So here's what I did. I took verses six and seven and I just said, okay, I just want to chew on this. I want to meditate on this. And let me just share some things that God showed me just in this verse that may help you. Because the, here's the next point is how do we remain a biblical ministry? Because if we're taking a... A, 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 a hypocritical ministry or a biblical ministry. I, want, I don't want to go this way. I want to become a biblical ministry or I want to remain a biblical ministry. Well, how do I do that? Well, here's a simple answer to this before we get any further. It's don't let go of the word of God. Don't let go. And people are letting go of the word of God all the time. They're dropping like flies, man. They're bouncing on the word of God. Now, here's what I love about this. Just slow down and, and think about this. Let this bake your noodle just for a moment. The gospel of Mark. So Mark is writing. So you have the written word of God. That's the gospel of Mark. Is telling us about the living word of God. That's Jesus. Expounding on the written word of God. That's the book of Isaiah. That's what's happening in, this, in these two verses. The written word of God is telling us about the living word of God. Expounding on the written word of God. Woo, that's pretty awesome to me. I really, really like that. And here's what he's quoting. He's quoting Isaiah 29, verse 13. Isaiah 29, verse 13 says this, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Sound familiar? That's kind of what he just said here in verses 6 and 7. Now, think about this for a moment. Well hath Isaiah said, verse 6, when he prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, Jesus is not calling them to the original copy of the book of Isaiah, is he? Because the original copy of Isaiah has been written a long time ago. 
But it's understood, he's, when he's quoting the book of Isaiah, he's understanding that they have access to that verse and that they would know that it was there. What does it tell me? That Jesus believed the word of God is preserved. So how do I remain a biblical ministry? Well, then hold on to the preserved word of God. Hold on to the preserved word of God. But it's not just that. He says, well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. In other words, it applied then, but it's also prophetic or doctrinal to this moment where Jesus is having them and having a conversation with them, having a Bible study with hypocrites. It applies in that very moment. And you know what it says? Well, hath Isaiah said, in other words, it's 100% accurate, the prophecy that Isaiah made way back in Isaiah chapter 29. It tells me that Jesus believed the word of God was perfect. So hold on to the perfect word of God. Hold on to the perfect word of God. But he didn't stop there. He took it a step further. He speaks into them with authority. He says, you guys are spitting doctrines of men, commandments of men. You need to be quoting the word of God. So here's what it tells me that Jesus believed the word of God was authoritative. Well, how do I know that? Because anything that would have come out of Jesus' mouth would have been the word of God. Right? So if it would have been the word of God, anything that comes out of his mouth would have been it. But he just took us back to what was written. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, he believed it was authoritative to that moment. It speaks into life and to practice. Now, here's what I don't want you to hear. I do not want you to hear the Bible is really, really important. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible is the authority of your life. It's worthy of study. It's worthy of reading. It's worthy of spending time in and not wasting time. How many times have you read your Bible, been like, some of you are like in the camp of, I got to read five or six chapters a day because you feel spiritual, Right? You feel, I'm not in that camp because I can't comprehend. I can't process that much stuff. So I take it in little but smaller bites. That's just who I am. Um, but y'all have been there. You're sipping the coffee and you're reading, but you're thinking about the laundry and you're thinking about the kids. You're thinking about this. And you're thinking about that. And you missed out. You know what you just missed out on? The preserved, perfect authority of God's word. And you close your Bible instead of getting back into it and you walk in your tradition. Be careful. See what this tells me? Mark is writing it. The written word of God is telling us about the living word of God. That's Jesus expounding on the written word of God. That's the book of Isaiah. But I'm reading it in English. Because I re Isaiah wrote it in Hebrew. Jesus quotes it in Aramaic. Mark writes it down in Greek and I'm busting it in English. That's pretty amazing. I have the word of God in my language. And I'm blessed because of it. And there are numerous languages in this world that do not have that luxury. Why would I, why would I take for granted what I have? Okay, we got a book. All right, last part, last part. This is it. Let's lay in this thing. Verses 8 to 13. 8 to 13. He says, for laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, full well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. And begins to turn it now onto them. It begins to make it very personal, very practical, very inspirational. And puts it onto them. And all he's done is quote a verse. Two. I mean, he's, that's all he's done. And yet that's all the Bible study that they need. And so here's the question we need to ask is how do we become a hypocritical ministry then? Well, I'm not asking that. You better be asking that. 
Well, the question was, how do we remain a biblical ministry? And the answer was, don't let go of the word of God. Well, how do I become, how do we become a hypocritical ministry? Well, by putting the word of God down. It's pretty simple. Pretty simple. But in verse 8, he's talking about how they've laid aside, they've laid aside the commandment of God. Ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. All right, so here's the next point. So if you really want to become a hypocritical ministry or you want to protect yourself from becoming a hypocritical ministry, then I would just say this, verse number, here's your next point, is that start with removing God's authority in order to hold man's traditions. Start there. Just remove God's authority. Lay it aside. I mean, you're not like done with, you haven't like punted it yet, right? You just like laid it aside. It's like in your back seat, right? Never to be seen again. Until Sunday, you read Psalm 12 real quick, right? You lay it aside. Well, why would I do that? So you can hold, so you can hold man's traditions because that's what he said. You hold, you laid aside the commandment of God and you hold their tradition of men. Just like little kids. You ever been around a little toddler? who has got a little sippy cup, got a little fire engine, and his little diaper running around, right? Got the sippy cup, got the fire engine, and sees the toy the little Johnny has, and wants that too. And then you see the conundrum. I'm not letting go of the sippy cup. I'm not letting go of the fire, hydro, fire engine. So you run over, and you try to pick it both up, and it doesn't work. Why? Because Johnny doesn't want you to have it. So he's pulling on it. And what's the little kid have to do? He has to make a decision. I'm going to lay down the good thing to get this thing. In the midst of it, the sippy cup spilled all over the place, and it's a mess, and mom's screaming, and Johnny's busting head, and fire trucks are now bashing over to somebody else's head, right? <laughs> what do you have to do? Well, they had to pick it up, had to drop something to pick something else up. And I'm telling you, believers do it all the time. They're holding the word of God. They're studying the word of God. And then something shiny shows up. Something's a little bit easier shows up. This is, this is a little bit different. Oh man, it'd be a lot easier if I took on this tradition of men. The only way you're going to be able to pick that up is to lay this one aside. That's why some of us haven't been in the word of God in quite some time. And it seems to be working for you. Tradition. You've laid it aside. And you're worried about looking clean and washing things and many other such like things that you do. Living a holy, clean life on the outside and internally, you are an absolute wreck, man. You're a wreck. And so the focus is now on motions over God's message. You're enamored with ceremony because it makes you feel special. It makes you feel holy and tradition, notice this, I want you to see this, and many other such like things ye do. So now tradition becomes just the way you do things. I do tradition. All right, so verse 9, and he said unto them, full well, you reject the commandment of God. Oh, I thought we were laying it aside. Yeah, you laid it aside, but now you're rejecting it. And he said unto them, full well, you reject the commandment of God. Why? That ye may keep your own tradition. Oh, went from holding to keeping, went from laying aside to rejecting. So here's your next blank. It's progress to rejecting God's authority in order to keep man's traditions. So instead of clinging, clinging to the preserved, perfect authority of God's word, you cling and preserve to traditions of your King James Bible and your discipleship and your praise and worship and your, all these things that look good. And I'm all for all of those things. I'm not anti those things. But I am anti those things being tradition. And that's why some of us are an absolute wreck. Lee was talking about those this morning. Great job, by the way. Killer. He was talking about those who feel like they're on the outside looking in. Like I'm missing out on what they've got. Well, because you're chilling with tradition and they're chilling with the word of God. They're growing and you're dying, man. No wonder you're a wreck. You laid it aside and now you're rejecting it. So now notice this. Notice this, verse 9. And he said unto them, full well, you reject the commandment of God. Why? That ye may keep 
your own tradition. Who, I thought it was tradition of men. Who's it belong to now? Me. Now it's mine. So the focus is now on methods over God's message and tradition becomes the only way I do things and I do it. It's my tradition. It's my way. Leader, if people are always doing things your way, you're not leading. Amen. Oh, that's a lesson this guy's got to learn. Because so many times I expect everybody to be just like me and to do it the way that I do it. If I'm always getting my way, it ain't the right way. So now I'm owning tradition. And if I can take a page out of Alan Shelby's book, can I give you an experiential exegesis? <laughs> because I, I think sometimes that's wise to do as well. And that's what Jesus does in verses 10 to 12. We'll do this quickly. In verses 10 to 12, you get an experience of Alexa Jesus because he says, for Moses said, and he's quoting Exodus, for Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother. And in another spot, he, Who, whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. I mean, that's the law. That's what it says. Honor your parents. And if you're, if you're going to curse them, let them die the death. And any Bible believer, any traditionalist would say, amen. And that's what Moses said. But notice the next three words in verse 11. But ye say. God says, but you say. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Anytime you're saying I'm just, you're justifying. You're justifying behavior. You're justifying decision. What did the word of God say? But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban. That is to say a gift. I love how the Bible just like defines itself. It's kind of cool, isn't it? That's another little Bible study tip for you. Let the word of God define itself. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And he suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. So he uses this illustration. Mom and dad are having a hard time paying the light bill, right? Lights are getting ready to be shut off. There's no food in the fridge. You got some bank, right? And you, got, you decided, I'm going to take a gift to the Lord. And I'm going to offer it. And you see mom and dad struggling and you're torn. Well, the hypocritical minister says, it's all about the money, 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 uh, right? It's all about the Benjamins, right? Bring me that money. And so what the traditional ministry say, I'm going to justify our behavior because really it's a spiritual way of spiritualizing it and saying, okay, I can do whatever I want to do. And all Jesus is giving them is an experiential exegesis of their life and revealing them what's really going on and how they take scripture and twist it to apply it to their tradition. And what's happening, he says, you guys, instead of taking care of mom and dad, you're giving a sacrificial offering to the church. That is wicked. It's wicked. But the, but the hypocritical ministry says, no, it's, it's right. Not according to scripture. Who's the authority? Moses said, but you say, how do I line up with God's truth? And all right, let's land the plane. Verse 13. Verse 13. By the way, some of you just heard, I don't have to give to the church if my mom and dad needs. Stop now. You're justified. You're twisting scripture too. Listen, God's called you to give and be a supplier of the work and the ministry. He's talking about extra giving, right? Above and beyond. You have responsibilities. Don't neglect them. Back to our original programming. Verse 13. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have, what? Wait, wait a second. Can we go back over here? What's it say over here in verse 4? They received to hold it. And somewhere along the line, they went from receiving to hold it, to keeping it, to teaching it, to delivering it. So that's your next last blank. 
if you want to become a hypocritical ministry, end with replacing God's authority in order to deliver man's traditions. So instead of proclaiming the word of God, proclaim the words of man. Do that. And the focus is no longer, the focus is now on your message instead of God's message. Well, how do you know that's happening? Is when you're in a position to teach or to invest and to pour into somebody and all that's coming out your mouth is your, your words and not the word of God? Danger, 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 Will Robinson, run away! Everybody over 40 got that. Everybody under 40. <laughs> After school, man, it was one of my favorites. Look it up. All right, so the focus is on your message instead of God's message. And then notice this. Making, verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. Now it's yours. You own it. Which ye have delivered. In other words, you've passed it on to the next generation. And check this out. And many such like things do ye. Over and over again, he says that in this text. Tradition now becomes the only way you should do things. You go from tradition being the way I do things to the only way I do things to the only way you should do things. In ministries, that's how it becomes tradition. And some of us, we hear the word tradition, we think traditional. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. You can be hip and you can be cool and you can be all those things and still just be tradition and empty. Let's be students of the word of God. Amen? Let's be students of the word of God. All right, so I want to call you to respond. Remember how we started? Remember how we started? If we're going to read our Bibles, if we're going to come to the word of God, we need to come with an expectation, right? We need to actually interact with the word of God, but our, also our expectation is to do it, to apply it. And I'm, I'm betting some of us have started to drift just a little bit. We didn't even know it. We didn't even know it. We just started to drift a little bit. We're, the word of God became less important than the point that I'm trying to make, right? And I'm using the word of God to make my point instead of letting the word of God make the point, right? So we got to be careful. And maybe in our ministries, whether that's you're the pastor of the church or whether uh, you're, you're over, over the cleaning teams, it doesn't really matter. It's all ministry, right? We're not careful. We start calling people to a standard of our tradition instead of the standard of the word of God. It's time to humble ourselves and let's do business with the Lord. Some of us, it's time to just submit to the word of God. You've been coming and you've been a part of the singing and you've heard the discipleship and you've been playing the game. You've been doing the things. Just because you want to fit in, you want to look the part. You're a hypocrite. I got no other word for it. You're a hypocrite, but you don't have to be. You can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can follow the living God through this word. Could be that you don't even know Christ as your Savior. You need to be saved. You need to know Christ as Savior. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do quietly. Nobody's talking. Let's stand together. Because we want to give people an opportunity to respond. So pastors, I need you where you need to be so people can come and find you. The reason we're standing is so that you're allowing people to get past you if they need to get past you to get to where they need to be to get on their face before the Lord. Some of you, you need to know Christ. You need to get saved. Make a beeline to somebody who can open up the living word of God and share with you how you can know the living God. Some of us, we've been playing games. And we've been hiding. And you've drifted and become a hypocritical ministry leader. Or you've embraced tradition instead of the word of God. It's time to get that right. 
and deal with the Lord and allow the Lord to deal with us. So whatever God's doing in you, whatever God's showing you, some of you need to make a way up here and talk to somebody and pray. You need to pray where you are. Listen, I'm not trying to ask for a show. I'm not interested in that. I want you to do business with the Lord. Please do business with God. Let me pray. I think there's going to be some music going on here in just a few moments. We're going to pray. You need to do business. Let's move now. Get where you need to be. Let's, let's, let's spend some time with the Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your preserved word. Lord, I thank you for your perfect word. Lord, I thank you for the authority of the word of God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we can have Bible study with you every single day because, Lord, I am embraced in my own hypocrisy at times. And every time I open up the word of God, you are having a Bible study with this hypocrite. And so, Lord, I pray in my own life, Lord, that you would draw me, draw us into submission to you through your word. Lord, I pray for that soul or the souls who are in this room today who don't know you as Savior. Lord, I pray that you would not give them rest. Lord, I pray that they would step out and go find somebody that can open up your word so they can know you as Savior. Lord, I pray for that pastor. I pray for that leader. I pray for that Bible study leader. I pray for whoever that might be who is drifting off into tradition. I pray for that man or that woman who's trying to live a life to impress others instead of you. Lord, I pray that this would be a moment where they lay it all down and lay it down at your feet and call you Lord and be submitted to you. We ask all this in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.